Thanks, Marianne. Hey, good morning. Hey, we're going to be in Luke 15, if you would turn there with me in your Bibles. Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> I know we look a lot, took a lot of time on Operation Christmas Child, but I think it's very important um, that we take every opportunity that we can, especially such an easy one, to send the gospel and the hope of the gospel, not only to a child, but, but the whole box that, that impacts their whole family uh, is amazing. So a great opportunity to, to share the word of God uh, without even saying something, right, except for I love you with a gift. Um, today we are, we're going to move into a, a three, just a three-week short series called Unashamed, and it's, you'll see it on the front of your bulletin cover and on your sermon notes. And I, God just gave this to me as, as I was thinking about the last couple in the series we did, Unavoidable. Uh, unavoidable was about believing the gospel, and once we have the gospel, we should live in a way that is, is unashamed. So we're going to talk about three different ways that we can be unashamed. Uh, today we're looking at unashamed of our faith in Christ. So, so why we are unashamed of our faith in Christ and what that looks like. You know, we are all, uh, we have things in our lives that, that we are ashamed of, right? And we have things in our lives that, that we are not ashamed of and that we are very proud of and very excited to show the whole world and, and, to, and to shout it from the rooftops, even as, as weird as they might be, right? The things that we are unashamed of sometimes, people around us are like, what are you talking about? Why do you like that? Let me give you a couple examples of that, okay? So this uh, is my family. Is that stretched? It is. That's my fa- I'm not ashamed of them. I love my family. Aren't they beautiful? Right? I, I, I think everyone, grandparents and parents alike, carry around photos in their iPhone or in their wallet if it's old school. And, and it's all about, man, look at my kids. Look at my kids. And you know those people, right? You're like, oh, here we go. Another picture of their kids. Oh, and you put a smile on because they're not ashamed. They're unashamed of their family, right? Hey, something I'm not, I'm not ashamed of, I'm from Montana. All right? I'm a Montanan. And uh, it, it's funny because I, I was born here, but I grew up and was raised there. Um, I have the best of both worlds or the worst of both worlds. I don't know. I, I get teased a lot. It's either, either you're not from Montana, you're from California, and they, they tease me about that. Or they, they say, oh, you're from Montana, you're not from California. They can't make up their mind. I like to say I'm from Montana, and I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm one of the 900,000 from Montana. All right? It's my state. Now, see, you see how things get worse, though, as it, as it progresses downward, some of the things that were not ashamed of. I'm not ashamed of my favorite sports team, right? The Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Right there, LA. I know. I'm with you. Solidarity to those that are LA fans, all right? Yeah. <laughs> now, see, listen, I, I, this is my favorite team since I was a young kid, and I, I'm not ashamed of that. I know some people would say, oh my gosh, but I'm not ashamed, all right? Final thing, I'm, yeah, I should be. <laughs> and see, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes we're not ashamed of things that others think we should be ashamed of. Like my final one today is this, Crocs. <laughs> I love Crocs. I love Crocs. These are comfortable, comfortable shoes. You can just slip them right on and slip them right off. They get wet. They dry real quick. It's just, they're nice. They're comfy. They're easy. And uh, I've had several, several pair of those, okay? And I almost brought them today, but I thought someone would like them so much they would steal them. So I decided <laughs> to leave them at home. And sometimes I even wear my Crocs with socks, I'm not ashamed, all right? I'm not ashamed. <laughs> oh, mercy. So today, here's the, uh, the points for today's sermon. Um, you know, we have these things that we're, we're not ashamed of, we're unashamed of, right? And, and that's good. But even, even the things we're, we're not ashamed of that other people are like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that you like that or that you, you are proud of that. But in a greater way, in a much more eternal way, 
There is a grace and salvation from God that should be evident in our lives. You know, it should be a clear way of living that we live unashamed about the impact that Christ has had in us and on us, right? That that, that is something that we should shout from the rooftops. And, and whether or not you keep, a, keep to yourself that you're an A's fan or that you're a Dodgers fan or whatever, Jesus, we are followers of Jesus Christ. And, and if he has done something in your life and the power of the gospel has touched your heart, you ought to be living unashamed. So today we're going to look at three reasons that we should be unashamed of our faith in Christ. All right, are you ready? No, not quite. That's okay. We're going to pray too. But unashamed of our faith in Christ, we'll look at three reasons. I'll keep this up on the screen for a few minutes. Uh, let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started, okay? God, you are a great God and Father. We thank you that you love us so much. We thank you that you, you made a way for us to be whole and reconciled back to you through Jesus Christ. Thank you that you took the guilt, God, you took the sin and you, you buried it, that we could live free. I ask today that you would open our hearts and our minds to the scriptures, that you would impact our lives from them, and we would leave forever changed. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at the first reason. The first reason to live unashamed of your faith in Christ is because he took the shame. He, he took the shame. You and I can live unashamed because he took the shame. So Luke chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse 11 and read through 24. All right. He also said, this is Jesus speaking, he also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to, to me. Now, as we read this, I want you to pay attention to the father's attitude. I want you to pay attention to what what happens to the father as the son departs. Father, give me my share of the estate I have coming to me. Basically says, I wish you were dead. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all gathered together all that, uh, that he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he, he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the, into the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the carob pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told, this, uh, told his slaves this, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fatted calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now there's more to that story, and you can read that on your own. Maybe we'll talk about that tonight at, uh, at Bible study. Um, but w- what I want us to understand is, is from this point, Jesus took the shame upon himself. And as, as you and I read this passage, as we look at this passage, the insight we have, some, some of us are saying, wow, that's a good father. He's a great father. Look how compassionate he is and sensitive he is. He reminds me of Jesus. And that's exactly what he should remind you of. But culturally, in that day, 
the Jewish men, the, the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees who were watching this, sto- this story unfold were so, so mad. And we think they were mad at the son. No, they were mad at the father. Why? Because he didn't do anything. Think, look at this. In, in the first part of the scripture, he says, um, the younger said to the father, give me my share of the estate. And, and the father did. He basically came up to his dad and said, I wish you were dead. Give me what I have coming. And the, and the Sadducees and Pharisees, they're like, okay, give, him, give it to him. Give him what he has coming. A big slap across the face and say, get out of my house. See, that's what should have been done. But in this shameful, shameful custom or this way, going against culture, the father capitulated. The father said, yeah, here, here you go. And the son went out and wasted, wasted it, right? Going on, later on, we find that the, he came to his senses. Right, he had this change of heart. He understood that, that he needed the Father. And as he came back to his house, to his homeland, what did it say? It said in, in verse uh, 20, he, he went to, to go to his father, but while the son was still a long way off, what? The father saw him and then ran to him. Two no-nos here going on. One is, if you're the father in this custom, in this culture, and you have a son that has departed and squandered things, you are not shamefully at the window watching and waiting for his return. Okay, you, have, you probably have people on the gates wanting to, to, to warn you when he's coming back and, and, and telling them, kick him out. Keep him away from my household. He's no longer my son. So this shame is, is more apparent now that the father is waiting and watching at the window. Is my son coming? Is my, when's he going to come back? And then when he, when he sees him, the father gets out of his house lifts up his robe, right, he's wearing, and he runs to his son. And running, running was also a no-no in that custom. Men did not run. You don't show your ankles. That is, that, is not, that is not proud and dignified. So for him to run was another whole act of shame brought upon himself in the eyes of the Pharisees, in the eyes of the Jewish leaders, in the eyes of those who are culturally, uh, had, had the custom of, of the Jewish tradition and heritage uh, at heart. The shame. And then he, then he goes out there, he, he runs, and then when he gets there, he throws his armor. Instead of getting out there and just beating his son up, right, like he should have done. A good, a good father should have whipped his son. No, the, this father, the real good father, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. Then had his servants bring out the robe and the, and the signet ring and the sandals and said, this is not only my son and my welcoming back, but he has all the authority that I have. He has full rights as a son his sonship. That's what the father did for him. He says, this, this son of mine was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. See, we can be unashamed because Jesus, our good father, is the same as this father. He took the shame upon himself. The father has a greater goal than saving face and then looking appropriate. Our heavenly father has a different goal as well. His goal is to restore the relationship between us and him. See, there was a broken relationship because of our sin, because of our errors, but he decided that he would take the shame. And although we acted shamefully and although the son in the story acted shamefully, the father took on the weight of the sin and shame. And our sin and shame was placed on Jesus as well. Let's look at this next scripture. Isaiah 53, four through six. Yet he himself, this Jesus, bore our sickness. He carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. See, the shame and the guilt and the sin was placed all on top of Jesus. And he took that and he made a way for us to be completely forgiven and restored. He took the weight of that sin that we might be restored to the Father. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and believe the gospel, he sets us free. Now he wants us to move forward, living free. Move forward, living free, and be a son and daughter and not a slave to our old way of life. Jesus wants us to have freedom. He took the shame so he could make all things new. If you're feeling still, listen, if you're feeling paralyzed still by shame and by guilt, and you've been, you've been coming to church a long time, or you would consider yourself a believer, but you still feel, feel this paralyzing guilt and shame because of your sin and who you are, I would question whether or not you have actually believed the gospel. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ unashamedly tells us that Jesus took on all the shame so we wouldn't have to. He took on all the guilt so we wouldn't have to. He took on all the punishment so we wouldn't have to. Now, there are consequences to sin. There are, there are things that we have to deal with for the rest of our lives. But ultimately, we are free because the Son has set us free. So believe the gospel and unashamedly be free. Go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 3 with me, please. We in chapter 3 and verse 1. I want to go to the next reason that we are unashamed of our faith in Christ. Number two is this. I am powerless without Christ. See, I'm unashamed of my faith in Christ because without him, I'm powerless. I don't have any strength without Jesus. There's no power over sin without Jesus. And we'll look at, look at the Apostle Paul. I think he understood this really, really well. Uh, he had a great ability to stand on his own, on his own like clout, on his own accomplishments. But he understood the futility in that and he understood what he really needed. So we're in Philippians chapter 3. Man, you turn one page and it's gone. There it is. We're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this trouble for me uh, is a a protection for you. Watch out for dogs. Watch out for evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are are the circumcision, the ones who, uh, who serve by the Spirit of God, boast in Jesus Christ and do not put confidence in the flesh. Now I want to stop there for a minute. There was this, there was this invasion of, a, of people coming and saying, listen, you still have to put confidence in the things that you do. You still have to put confidence not only in Jesus, but in something else also. And they were presenting kind of a different gospel. And people were thinking, oh, well maybe, yeah, Jesus and something else sounds good, so maybe I'll continue that because it still has Jesus in it. He says, no, watch out for those dogs. He says, uh, we put no confidence in the flesh, right, in what we accomplish on our own. In verse 4, although I once had confidence in the flesh too. If anyone thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more, Paul says. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, persecuting the church, as to righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Like Paul is putting his credentials up saying, listen, this is who I am. This is the clout I have. This is my resume. 
In verse 7, this is where it gets really good. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, everything that was power to me, everything that I esteemed as something that was worthwhile, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in, the view, in, the, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I lost it. Because of him, I suffered, all, I suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness or power right of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God is based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and being conformed to his death, assuming that somehow I will reach the resurrection from the dead. Paul had this humility at the end saying, man, I still, I know I'm a wretched man. I, I, hope, I hope he'll let me in. I hope he'll let me in. But he knew. He had a confidence in Jesus Christ. And that confidence assured him of that hope of glory. There was an assurance that he had. And that assurance that he had was not based on his own power. He was unashamed because he, there was power in Jesus Christ. Listen, all the accomplishments in the world, all the boasting in the world will never have the power that Christ has in the resurrection. It will never be able to accomplish what, what you and I need to have accomplished in our lives. So why am I unashamed? Well, Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. See, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. There is power in the gospel message of Christ. There is hope in that for salvation. It's only in Christ. And, and there's not a righteousness on our own. There's not a boast that we can boast in the world that can save us. It's only about Jesus. I'm unashamed because the gospel is God's power to salvation. The gospel is, not me. Finally, number three, why am I unashamed of faith? Because any other gospel is no gospel at all. I'm unashamed of the gospel. I'm unashamed of the faith in Christ in the gospel because any other gospel is no gospel at all. Turn to Galatians chapter 1 with me, if you would, please. Just a couple books before Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. We'll be in chapter 1. Most people spend most of their lives trying to earn their way, trying to earn their keep. And, and listen, that is commendable in many circumstances. right? We look around and, hey, way to go. You did a good job. You got, got good wages now. You have, you're taking care of your family. You have what you need. You're providing so th those are commendable things, right, to earn our way. But when it comes to earning our way into the presence of God, we cannot. We cannot do that. We can't earn our way into the presence of God. We will never be righteous enough on our own. If you want to keep earning your way, you will never, ever get there because God is a holy, perfect, and just God, and there is no way you can stand before him on your credit and say, I have lived up to your standard. There's no way that I can stand before him on my own credit and say, God, I've, I've matched up to you, a holy, perfect God. I think you'll just hear him kind of chuckle and then, then cry because he offers his righteousness through Jesus on us. But I'll look at Galatians because I think this, this idea of, of self-righteousness, this idea that we can add to Jesus is a pervasive thing that, is, that is, it hit the church back then and it hits churches and Christians today. We think that, well, yeah, Jesus plus this. It's Jesus plus doing a little bit of this or a little bit of that. 
So look at Galatians chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 3. Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This salutation is, is a wonderful one, and I often use this because it's, I think it's littered with the gospel. Grace and peace to you. See, God gives us his grace, and when we receive his grace, when we believe the gospel and let his righteousness be sufficient for us, we have peace. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Not from me, not from him, not from anybody else, not from you. It's from the Father. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now look at verse 6. I am amazed or astonished that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want, uh, and want to change the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you any other gospel than what we've preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, and I now say again, if anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, a curse be on him. Let him be destined for destruction. This is a big deal, and, and I want you to understand, like, these, these Judaizers who, are, who are, he's talking about, these dogs, right? They're trying, to, they're trying to get people to believe in Jesus, but also subscribe to circumcision, right? And say, you, you, yeah, you need Jesus, but if you're not circumcised, Jesus ain't going to work, right? You need Jesus plus circumcision. Now, for us today, that, doesn't, that, that tradition doesn't matter as far as religious, right, uh, for us in America. But we add a lot of things. Well, you need Jesus, but you also need to give at church all the time. In fact, 10% right off the top. That's not, that's not the gospel, right? That's not a requirement for salvation. Oh, it's Jesus plus, plus you need to, to do good works every day. Do something good and more good than bad. Or it's Jesus and you have to go to Sunday school and church. See, we start to add things to the gospel. And what Paul said is this. When we add things to the gospel, it's no gospel at all. It's self-righteousness again. And if we want to rely on our self-righteousness before, when we stand before God, it will not pan out for anything. The gospel that we hold on to is the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the gospel of Jesus plus us. Amen? It's Jesus only. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1. He says, he says For this gospel I was anointed a herald, an apostle, a teacher, and that is why I suffer these things. So Paul is suffering and willing to suffer because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not Jesus plus, Jesus. But I am not ashamed because I, here's why, because I know the one I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Amen? See, we have to get to that place unashamedly where we know who it is that we believe in. And we know that he, and we are persuaded that he is able to guard what he has entrusted to us, what he has given to us, that deposit, that sealing from his Holy Spirit, that salvation, that rescue that he's accomplished. Our hope and our boldness should increase, not because of self-confidence, but because of God-confidence, that we are confident in God. So here's your application today. Once we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, the guilt and shame lifts off. That guilt and shame just is freed. And the power of his, his resurrection enables us to live unashamedly. 
that we could live unashamedly in the power of the gospel. So here's the application. Live unashamed. Amen? Be unashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let's stand together and pray. God, we thank you for this day, this opportunity and this time you've given us to worship you, but to celebrate uh, who Jesus is. God, we are, we are all about Jesus, and, and, and if we aren't, bring us back to center. Bring us back to where we need to be. God, let our lives be an outpouring because we are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God that has been put on our hearts, that has saved us and rescued us from sin and death and brought us back in a right standing with the Father. We thank you for Jesus. Help us every day to remember that and be reminded of the things for which we are unashamed. We pray in his name. Amen. Hey, as we close today, it's our opportunity to respond and to worship him, just to celebrate who Jesus is. So, so as we sing, just sing. Love Jesus, sing and worship him. Uh, if you need prayer or want to talk or want to celebrate something with me, I'll, I'll be standing down here in front. Uh, maybe you need to say something to the, your neighbor or have them pray for you, whatever it might be. This is your opportunity, my opportunity, just to respond from the overflow of our heart, unashamed.